Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 28 says, Let the prophet who has a dream recount the dream. But let the one who has my word speak it faithfully. For what has straw to do with grain, declares the Lord, is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. This, this, is, this is crazy. God is, he, he's given us a picture of his word through the prophet Jeremiah, and he says, is not my word like a hammer that breaks apart the rocks? As we start this series, we're calling it Drop the Hammer. I believe this is, is we're going to talk about how to use or how to partner with the Word of God to, to really produce breakthrough in your life. In these next 14, 14 days as we fast and we pray, I believe this, if you will give yourself to this, you're going to see breakthrough like you've never seen it before. As we pray, as we fast, as we seek the face of God together. It says, it says that is not my word like a fire. The prophet Jeremiah prophesies to the people of Israel. And if you've read the book of Jeremiah, it's a little scary. It's full of the judgment of God. It's full of, if you don't do this, then I'm going to do this. And um, all throughout the, uh, throughout the book, you hear about the disobedience of the people of Israel and the coming judgment of God. But interwoven in the book of Jeremiah is a beautiful redemptive theme, which you can always find throughout the Word of God. And it's God's grace, and it's God's compassion, and it's God's mercy that's extended to the people of Israel. And even though there's all of this, he says, I still have a plan for you. Even though there's all of this, I still have a plan, and that plan is good. I, I, have, I have a future for you. And, and Jeremiah, he, he, he has these glimmers of hope throughout the book. And this is one of those in Jeremiah tw chapter 23 where he begins to compare the word of man with the word of God. He says it's not even comparable. Some of you say you have dreams. He says that dream doesn't compare to my word. You have ideas. You have inspiration. That doesn't compare to my word. He says is not my word like a fire. Is not my word like a hammer. You, you need to know this today, that the word of God is powerful. If you really want to see God work powerfully in your life, then you need to get in partnership with what God's saying. So if I want God to move, I need to know what he's saying. Because that word is powerful. In fact, Jeremiah says in another, in another verse, he says that God is watching over his word to see that it is fulfilled. That God's watching over... If you, if you want to know what God's about to do, look at what God said. Because God will always do what he said. He'll always say something before he does something. We've learned this, that the word of the Lord makes room for the work of the Lord. Now, I, I love, if you know me, you know I love sports. And um, I'm a little bit competitive. And it doesn't matter what it is. I was coaching my boys' basketball game yesterday and... Got a little heated. Somebody from the church came through. They were on the outside of the basketball court. They're in third grade. And uh, they're on the basketball And they came in and they said, wow, we heard you in here. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, we heard you from outside the gym. I'm like, it's, 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 don't worry about it. Yeah, serious. But I, I, love, I love any type of sport. I watch any type of sports. If there's a winner or a loser, I'll watch it. Yeah, so I was watching the, the Cornhole Championships. You know that's on ESPN? It's like, I'm fine. Winner and loser, I'll watch it. I, I like it specifically at the end of a game when things get serious. I like fourth quarter 
Because you know that the game is about to be decided. There's just a different intensity about a game when it gets to the end of regulation time. Because now all of a sudden it's serious. We are deciding who wins and who loses. And I really believe this is that sometimes we have first quarter Christians in a fourth quarter world. And that God is trying to awaken us, I believe this, through this season in 2023, the season of fasting and prayer, that God's trying to awaken us to let us know that we can't have first quarter intensity in a fourth quarter battle. We, we, we can't have first quarter speculation in a fourth quarter war. We, 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 can't, we can't take lightly what's happening. Right, We are, we are not in first quarter times. We're in, we're in fourth quarter times where winners and losers are decided, where, where it's, it, it is important for us to steward the fire and the desire of our own hearts. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25 in the message says, You've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs. One wins. I think we should send that scripture to all of our uh, rec leagues across America. Everyone runs, one wins. It doesn't say everyone participates. And it, anyways, it's good parenting advice right there. Everyone runs, one wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No lazy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else about it and then missing out myself. Everybody runs, but only one wins. Paul exhorts the Corinthian church, run in such a way as to win. And some people, they come to our church and they say, we don't know why you guys are so passionate. I'm like, it's because we're running to win. Why are you so, why are you so uh, obsessed with city transformation? Because we're running to win. Why are you so obsessed with the next generation? Because we're running to win. We're not in this to take a walk. I'm not trying to take a walk through a park. I'm not trying to just take a job. I'm running to win. We're running as a church to win. Why do we pray like we pray? Because we're running to win. Why do we worship like we worship? Because we're running to win. Why do we give like we give? Because we're running to win. Why why do we evangelize like we evangelize? Because we're running to win. You know, I'm just going to tell you, there's a lot of churches. There's a lot of churches in this area. And there's a lot of amazing churches. And and some people come, and and especially early on, people like to send me, uh, like, encouragement of, like, how to to run the church or or how how the vision should be or how the song should be played or how the sermon should be preached. And and I I like to respond in love and in kindness and say, man, that's so amazing. Thank you so much. There's a lot of other churches right around the area that you might be able to find, like, your perfect fit. Because I'm going to tell you something. The vision here was set a long time ago. If your vision is up for debate, you're going nowhere. My vision, Jamie's vision, Pastor Stephen Lee's, it came up from a long time ago. The vision we had when we first started, people said, hey, you're too young to be a lead pastor. You're too, it's like the one thing you can do nothing about, your age, right? It's like, you're too young, pastor. Like, what do you want me to do? Like, here I am. I got to figure out something. I said, the same vision that God gave us then is the same vision that we have right now. 
is to say, and the reason that we have such intensity, the reason that we have such urgency, the reason that we we give ourselves to what we're doing like we do is because we're not running just to run. We are running to win. We are running, we're training at a level. We're giving ourselves at a higher level because we have a race to win. Everybody has to run their own race. We know what ours is. And if you want to run with us, run. We want people to run with us. But this is the race we're running. It's not participation. It is running to win. We believe that we're going to see city transformation. It's not something we say. It's not something we make graphics about. It's something we believe. Every life is transformed. And when lives are transformed, cities are transformed. That's what, that's what we believe. 2023 is not a year to see what happens. It's a year to take action, to swing or to come in partnership or to agree with the hammer of the Lord, to find the word of God, to stand fast on it, and to believe that it will come to pass. It's not a what happens happens year. You know, people say, let's just see what happens. Let's see what, well, it, it is what it is. Oh, this is just our lot in life. This is just the world we live in. These are just the cards I have been dealt. You ever heard these? You ever said these? It is until the church begins to pray. If you look through history, there's been times where there have been darker times than right now. And the church has begun to pray. And the church has begun to fast. And out of some of the most dark, chaotic, crazy discouraging times have come great moves of God, great men of God, great women of God, great movements of God, because God responds to the prayers of his church. It's not a just what happens happens year. It's a year where we run to win. Isaiah 55 verse 11 says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. He's he's saying, the word that, whatever I say, I'm going to also do. Whatever I say is going to happen. So if you want to see power in your life, then you got to get in partnership with what he's saying. And when I find out what he's saying, and I come in partnership with what he's saying, I will see it happen in my life. The, the, the greatest accusation from Jeremiah to the people of Israel was this. It was that the people of Israel kept on forgetting God. I know it seems silly to us to think, how can you forget God? But they would forget about God. And this is how Jeremiah said, he said that they committed adultery against God. So, so they, they gave up their love for God for a love for something else. And this is the enemy's chief tactic for us to get us to forget God. It's either to distract us with other things, to get us infatuated with false gods, or to misrepresent the true God. He, 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 the enemy always has the same playbook. Did you know that, that everyone's worried about the next generation? Gen Z, what are we going to do? Gen Z. Did you know it's this, the devil has the same playbook? It's to get them infatuated with false gods or to misrepresent the goodness of our true God. You know what's happening right now in Gen Z is that they have been sold or been told something about God that's not true. They, God has been misrepresented 
represented to them. That's why they feel the need to act like they are or do what they do because he's been misrepresented. But I'll tell you this, the moment they get an encounter with the true and living God of who he really is and how good he really is and how powerful he is, I don't care how far gone statistics or culture says the next generation is, this generation will be like other generations before it that when they see God, they will respond to God. We just got to make sure that they're seeing the right one. I'm telling you this, I believe God's going to begin to move in the next generation like we've never seen before. I believe that God's going to raise up young people, teenagers in high school, in junior high, that are going to burn for Jesus. I believe it's possible, not for just having good programs or good ideas, but by letting them experience the goodness and the reality of our God. Why did Israel forget God? It's because they either got caught up with false gods or they had misrepresented the true God. And I know some of us say, well, I don't have any false gods. I'm not an idol worshiper. You you know, anything that you depend on that's not God can become an idol. Money can be an idol. Status can be an idol. Our kids can be an idol. Sports can be an idol. Our work, our popularity what people think, we can go on and on. Anything that pulls from our dependence on God can be a false God. And I'm going to tell you, what you rely on, you draw from. And those false gods will disappoint you when you need them. You can lean on them, you can get obsessed with them, you can get infantilized by them, and and all those those things. But when you need, God's the only one that's going to answer. So if, if, if we're prone to forget God, let me ask you this, how do we remember God? If we're prone as people to forget about God's goodness or to commit adultery against his loving kindness, if we forget him, how do we, how do we remember him? Joel chapter 1 verse 14 says, declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. The prophet Joel gives us an idea or gives us a picture of how we remember God. When you're straying, when when you've forgotten about him, or when you feel distance from from him, he says, hold on, hold on. Call a holy fast. Declare a sacred assembly. Draw people together. Gather the people, and let's cry out to God. So let me give you a couple things. So to remember God, let me give you a couple things. The first thing you got to do is you're going to have to give yourself to the discipline of prayer and fasting. What is fasting? Fasting is saying no to one thing so you can say yes to another. Fasting is depriving yourself of one thing so that you can focus on another thing. Many people think with fasting that if, I, if I'm fasting and I'm hurting, then God will answer me. That's not what fasting is. Fasting is destroying my flesh so that I'm more aware of God. So fasting doesn't convince God to move on my behalf as much as it makes me aware of God's willingness to move. So when I fast, I am denying earthly, fleshly appetites so that I remember God. Fast actually means to cover one's mouth. So you can fast all kinds of things, and people fast social media, they fast television, or they, they, they do different type of variations of fast. But the actual biblical fast was to cover one's mouth, 
which means to not eat. Now, when you don't eat, you get hungry. I know. When you get hungry, you remember God. So some of you, you started the year and you got on a diet, all right? So that's not a fast. Some of you are trying to fast, but it's only a diet because you're not praying. Because a fast without prayer is just a diet, okay? It's fasting and prayer. So when I deprive myself of something, then it reminds me of God. So as we begin to wind down, I want you to hear this. Is if you're going to remember God in 2023, you have to find a rhythm or you have to give yourself to the discipline of prayer and fasting, which means this, I'm going to find a time and a place every single day that I'm going to spend with God. It would be better for you to spend five minutes a day consistently for the entire year than to spend every other weekend for four hours with God. It's the consistency that builds repetition, that builds consistency, that builds sensitivity to the voice of God. Jensen Franklin says, choosing to fast is choosing to come away from routine and wait upon the Lord with greater intensity, seeking his face and his presence in a deeper way. You know what we're going to do over the next 14 days? We're going to come away from routine. And we're going to seek the face of God like we never have before. And we're going to say no to some things that we want and we desire so that we remember him. That we, we, we set our attention on who he is. On a fast, we always say this, you want to know two things. You want to know what am I fasting from? Right? What's the thing I'm saying no to? And what am I fasting for? I'm not trying to just go on a diet. What am I fasting for? And then I would encourage every single person to make sure you write it down. What am I fasting for? And then pray this 14 days. And don't ask for little things. Ask big. And then this entire year, even after the fast ends, if it hasn't happened yet, then you continually pray it. And we pray it until it happens. Because the word of God is a hammer that breaks apart. You have no idea what swing or what prayer or what hit from that hammer is going to break through into the thing that you've been believing God for. Who knows that this could be just a year of miracles across our church as we pray and we fast and we believe for God to move. I'm going to give myself to the discipline of praying and fasting. I'm going to remember God by giving myself to the discipline of gathering. I want you to hear this in Joel 1.14. It says, declare the fast, but also call a sacred assembly. It says, bring everybody together. Bring them all into the, bring them all into the house of God. Get every, you know, there's a power in gathering. Some of us, gathering is, a, is an option. If you're going to remember God consistently, then you have to gather consistently. You, you're, the fire of God in your life is real. It's powerful. You can hear God on your own. You can experience God on your own. But that fire combined with this fire and this fire and this fire, that's different. There is a power of the, the fire of your heart gathering in a room with other people that are on fire. Gathering is bringing your fire in contact with other brothers and sisters. Gathering stokes the fire of your faith. Gathering gives you an opportunity to share your fire with someone else. And the last one is this. Not just praying and fasting and not just gathering. The scripture goes on. He says, and when you come together, cry out to the Lord. You know, some people, they struggle with this because they're like, I like to pray in my head. That's, that's fine. It's powerful. God hears your prayers in your head. 
But you know the concentration is greater to speak than it is to think. That you can think about a lot of different things and your mind can go here and here and here and you can be praying but also thinking about the cowboys and also be thinking about the weather and also be thinking about your bank account all at the same time. Did you know when you put words to thought, you have to focus? There's a power in praying out loud because of the focus it requires to now put into words what you're thinking. In fact, the Bible says this, Jeremiah 33.3 says, call to me. You can't call in your head. Just want to help everybody out, make sure we're on the same page. Call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Jesus, we saw the greatest example as he walked the face of the earth. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7 says this, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries. That's out loud. And tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. I want to help you with something. It didn't say he was heard because of his fervent cries. It said he was heard because of his submission. But he prayed with fervent cries. Sometimes people think fasting is a show to get God to move or using your voice. If you yell loud enough, God might hear you. No, friends, fasting is to remind me I need God. And my voice is an example of my desperation for God. But God hears me because of my prayer. And God hears me because of my submission to him. Those things aid me in remembering him. If you search the scriptures and you look at the life of David, David over and over and again would cry out to his God. Some people say, well, I don't really like that, you know, being vocal in prayer. You know what I found is when the situation gets dire enough, everybody finds a voice. The problem is some of you have first quarter praying in a fourth quarter moment. And it's time to turn up the heat of your spiritual life and, and, and begin to use your, you, you don't have to do it right now. You can do it on your own. You can do it in your car. But this is my challenge over the next 14 days. Whatever you're believing God for that you pray for out loud. I pray out loud all the time. I pray, I, I pray out loud all the time. My, my, my boys, they know the sound of my prayer. They, they hear me pray in the spirit. They hear me sing. Bless them, Lord. They, they, they hear my voice. It's vocal. It's vocal what I pray to God. My, my thoughts can be all over the place. But when I pray, I center my focus and I begin to say what I'm thinking. I put into words what is in my mind and what I'm hearing from God. There's something powerful about that. Jesus' prayer life was marked. They recognized when he prayed, he prayed with fervent cries. Joel says, this is how you remember God. Call a fast. Come together and cry out. Isaiah 58 says this, verse 6. Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the food the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away your own flesh and blood then after you fast 
Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, here am I. Let me tell you what a fast does. A fast weakens the grip of your flesh. It increases your sensitivity to God. She so say, man, I can't hear God. I don't feel God. You always say the presence of God's here. I can't feel the presence. If you begin to fast, you're going to have an increased sensitivity to what God is doing. A fast gives you faith to believe. I believe this in 2023. I believe this for you. As we say, it's, it's, it's funny. We're saying drop the hammer. But this is what I believe this. We're going to drop the hammer on addiction. And we're going to drop the hammer on depression. And we're going to drop the hammer on complacency, on apathy. We're going to drop the hammer on some of these rhythms and habits that we need broken. And I'm going to tell you this. We're going to do it by coming away and remembering God. We're going to fast and we're going to pray and we're going to gather and we're going to cry out to God. And friends, hear me. God will answer. I believe this. We're going to see miracles over the next 14 days. Some of you are praying for lost children, prodigal sons and daughters, and they're coming home in the name of Jesus Some of you are believing for financial provision. And we're going to see God provide in the name of Jesus. Some of you are believing for breakthrough in a parent or a marriage. And we're going to see breakthrough in the name of Jesus. Because when the church begins to pray, God begins to move. We need a praying church. We need a believing church. We need a church that is running this race to win. Stand up with me all over this place.